0: Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to 1 John chapter 4 this evening? It's good to be in his presence on a Monday night. 1 John 4 verses 15 to 17. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. For we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. I think we've all figured it out by now that we live in this world. This is our place for now, our dwelling place, our residence. This is where we develop. This is where we grow. This is where we mature. This is where we dig and where we plant and where we harvest. This is our home. Now, Christianity is not about escaping the world. Maybe that's our thought process. But Christianity is not about escaping this place, about escaping this world. How many know we don't get saved and then all of a sudden we're transported right to glory? We get saved and the journey, the new journey begins. The new life begins. Christianity is not about escaping the world. When Jesus Christ lived on the earth, he wasn't trying to escape the world. He wasn't trying to get out of here as quick as he, as quick as he could. The fact is, Jesus Christ was actually very focused on the world while he was here. Christianity is not about escaping the world, it's about redeeming the world, it's about changing the world, it's about overcoming the world. It's not that we just flee this place and get out of here, but rather that we would set our eyes and set our focus on this life and on this world, the days that Jesus Christ has graced us with that we would redeem the world and change the world, overcome the world. God's plan of salvation is not that he get us out of here as quick as he can, but rather that our life in this world be like his. That's his plan and that's his purpose. That's what Christianity is about, that we have relationship with Jesus Christ, that we're reconciled unto the Father, brought back. But his plan is not that he get us out of here as quick as he can, but rather that He work in us and work upon us so that we live as His Son, Jesus Christ, lived in this world. Our text in the Knox Bible reads, The Father sent out His Son to be the Redeemer of the world, and where a man acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in Him and He in God. We have learned to recognize the love God has in our regard, to recognize it and to make it our belief. God is love. He who dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. That our life in the world should be like his means that his love has had its way with us to the full so that we can meet the day of judgment with confidence. You know, what's the one thing that man has struggled with since the beginning? What's the one thing that man has had a real hard time with since spoken to by a serpent in the garden? What's the one thing that has been used against humanity and the purpose of God on this earth for a long, long time now? You want to know what it is? Temptation. It's been used against humanity for a long time now since Genesis 3, and we're going to look to those verses. Genesis 3, verses 1 to 6. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, And a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. What should be noted here is that the snake was after those that were close to God. The enemy came seeking out those that were real tight with God. To bring temptation, slither along with a scheme and a plan. Came to those that were real close. Temptation comes to leave us naked. Temptation comes to strip the splendor of God off our lives, the holiness, the purity, the confidence. Temptation comes to drive us into hiding just as it did Adam and Eve. Temptation comes to have us seek our own means of dealing with our falling just as Adam and Eve. Temptation comes to separate us from God. Temptation came in that moment and it still comes today to those that are real close with God. The enemy wants to pull us away. Temptation came to those that had been created by the Lord, those that had relationship with the Lord, those that walked and talked with the Lord, those that listened to God, those that lived in obedience to God. Up to that point, they had obeyed. They'd stayed away. The voice came. Temptation came to those that lived in paradise. You know, we may live many years from the history of Genesis 3, but the same scheme is slithering across the earth today. The enemy is coming to those that are close to the Lord, those that have walked with God for some time, those that have been saved for years or perhaps saved. Some could say their whole life. And temptation comes in many forms, and the voice of the enemy comes. And the plan is to see us fall. Those that are close to God. The enemy is after us, and he's... After all the saints, he has the sinners, lest they come to know Jesus. And he desires that we fall from holy position and purpose in the world. That's his plan. He's after all of us. We are on his most wanted list. Someone had to come to show us how to deal with temptation someone had to come to show us how to live in this world and there was only one and that one is jesus god sent his son as a holy perfect example of how to live in this world how to live close to god and remain close to god that though the enemy would come with temptation seeking out the one that was close and how close was the son and the father we could follow his example and overcome. First Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 25. For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This perfect example, Jesus Christ, Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Help right in the moment of need. Let us come, let us seek out God, let us look and turn and focus on the center of it all, the great example given to us by the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2.18, for in that He Himself has suffered being tempted, He is able to aid those who are tempted. The Father sent Jesus to show us how to live. Yes, to save us, but to show us how to live, to give us and leave us an example. God's plan of salvation, again, is not to get us out of here as quick as he can, but rather that our life in this world look like his. They know when you give your life to Jesus, he's going to work on it. When you give your life to the Lord, he's going to work on it because we're not where we should be. We give our lives to the Holy Spirit and we surrender. He's going to work on us because we're not yet where we should be. We're at different places on the journey. But this process where we become more like Jesus, where we become the salt and the light. We shine brighter and brighter with the glory of God. So are we in this world. It's not about escaping. It's about redeeming and changing and overcoming. First John 2.6 reads, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Now if we're saying that we abide in him, here the word is calling us and commanding us and instructing us, he who says he abides in him, if that's our confession, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. To say that we abide in Christ and not walk like Christ, they don't match up, they don't add up. Something's amiss, something's wrong. Now I know the Lord's working on us. We're talking about a heart that's In the process, we're surrendering to the Lord and trusting him. And there is a learning curve as we walk with the Lord. But it's about surrender and being humble. And when he comes, when we don't quite follow like we should, that we're quick to listen and quick to obey, quick to surrender and humble ourselves. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk. Just as he walked, so are we in this world. Leonard Ravenhill said these words, Regarding temptation, we Christians might well say with Horatius Bonner, It is the way the Master went. Should not the servant tread it still? Since Jesus Christ not only conquered temptation, but was more than a conqueror, We too can have victory with a margin in every temptation. As He is, so are we in this world. So, two points, real simple tonight. Number one, pay attention. The Word of God is alive and living. When we read of the life of Jesus Christ, it's not some dead, archaic account, it is alive. It's a living example. Now, when someone seeks to lend us a hand or to give us an example to show us how to go about something, we must choose to pay attention. We have to pay attention. If a teacher shows us how to go about something and we are distracted, disinterested, not paying attention, slipping in and out, attention, we are going to be hard-pressed when it comes time to act. If Jesus Christ is giving us an example by his living, and the Father's calling us to turn to the Word and read the Word, you know, Jesus wasn't just sent. The Father didn't just send his son for kicks, right? Like, No, but it was to redeem the world, but it's also to give us a living example of how to live in this world, how to overcome this world, not that we just get out of here, but that we would redeem the world and change the world, and the world would be refined. Our world would be refined. Our world would look different. Father didn't send us his example for no purpose. He saw our state, and he knew we desperately needed an example. If we are going to overcome in this life, we are going to have to choose to follow his example, to turn to his example and look at his example and pay attention and not be distracted and not be in and out of attention and kind of here, there, and everywhere. And, you know, the lesson gets interesting, so our ears perk up, and then the lesson's not so interesting, and so we go back to, you know, making paper airplanes and whatever else we do in class when... Serious business. School with Jesus? Serious business. If we don't pay attention, we're not going to know how to act when the time comes. We're not going to know how to react when the time comes. We're not going to know... Which way to choose when the time comes? If we're not paying attention to the example, if we're not looking to the example, we're not going to know. As he is, so are we in this world. It's going to mean we pay attention. Number two tonight, act accordingly. Now, it sounds simple, and it, it can be if we don't complicate things. act accordingly he gives us an example and now we go about it we follow his lead we follow his example we walk just as he just showed us to walk we talk just as he, he showed us how to how to talk we react the way he just showed us how to react it's our choice to act accordingly You know, there is no temptation that the example of Jesus Christ can't handle. There is no temptation that the example of Jesus Christ cowers at. There is no temptation that the example of Jesus Christ can't overcome. He will always lead us in victory. His example always leads us in victory. The Word says He will always lead us in triumph. But see, it's about paying attention and it's about acting accordingly. So if we don't act in accordance with his example, what happens? How can he lead us in victory if we don't follow? We have to look at how he lived and how he acted and how he interacted with society, how he handled this world, how he lived in this world. The things he was involved in and the things he wasn't involved in. Things he put his hand to and the things he didn't put his hand to. The things he gave attention to and the things he didn't give attention to. The things that were at the top of his priority list and the things that weren't even on his priority list. We need to look to the example. We need to pay attention. If Jesus Christ strolled in to a church today and was there to teach, to give a lesson, give an example on how to live and how to act, I sure hope that this this generation, this society, this culture that we live in today and the nations of the world would, would listen. They'd pay close attention. But the truth is, Jesus Christ strolls into churches every week, and he strolls into your prayer closet, and he comes in your times of worship and devotion. And he's right there alive when we open the word and we begin to read of how he acted. He's giving us a lesson. He's giving us an example. He's saying this is how. And again, I want to say tonight, I don't know what temptation you may be facing or what temptation you faced in the past, or what you may face in the future, and I want to say this tonight, it's not always what it seems to be or what it appears to be. Sometimes we think temptation, and it's like slipping into bed with a girl or it's something like that, and all these other little things don't really matter. We only look at the big sins. We don't look at the little things. We don't look at the, the little cracks and, and the little separations. We don't look at those. And the enemy comes, and so often he begins to ask questions did God say, like for real, are you sure Jesus lived that way? Are you sure he, he wasn't living it up in the world? Are you sure he didn't have a lot of associations? Are you sure? And, and it's questions. We've got to pay attention. And we have to act accordingly. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And there's no temptation that the example of Jesus Christ can't handle. There's no temptation that the example of Jesus Christ cowers at. There's no temptation that the example of Jesus Christ can't overcome. So whatever we're facing, truthfully, we're without excuse. Thank God for the example he sent us. 1 Peter 2, 21. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. The message, this is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so that you would know that it could be done. And also know how to do it step by step. He's here to lead us and guide us. We know that we also have the Holy Spirit that's working on our behalf to counsel us. To show us, to point us in the right direction. We've got a lot of help. If you think the temptation's too great, what you're facing now or what you faced in the past or what you're going to face in the future, look who's on your side. You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You've got the living word. I don't know how you can say that you're outmatched. We have more than enough. We've got the greatest military force on our side. We've got the greatest gang, the greatest posse, all right? So no matter what comes our way, we can overcome because of Jesus. It's not because of us and our own strength and our own will to grab some principles and try and work things out in life, but it's because we're looking to the living example and applying our lives. We're paying attention and we're acting accordingly. The J.B. Phillips New Testament reads, Indeed, this is part of your calling. If you're here tonight and you're saying, what's my calling in life? Well, as a Christian, here it is. This is part of your calling, the word is saying. For Christ suffered for you and left you a personal example and wants you to follow in his steps. Sometimes we're off looking for this big grandiose calling, right? We're trying to figure it all out. And You know, we're trying to interpret our own dreams, and there's a great message on that, you know, that the interpretation of dreams belongs to the Lord, and men should just maybe keep their hands out of it. But anyways, the truth of the the matter is that this is part of our calling. When we become Christians, this is the great calling. It's to look like Jesus and act like Jesus and talk like Jesus and be like Jesus and show people Jesus and become more like Jesus. Don't miss the great, great calling and give it up for something you think's greater. See, Some people never get this, the real important calling that's going to really, really matter, and they're off, you know, trying to get something else, but they don't have the ABCs down. They don't have the foundation yet. They're not living like Jesus, they're not talking like Jesus and acting like Jesus, so perhaps he just can't trust you with the rest of the call. People that have proven themselves untrustworthy time and time again, unfaithful time and time again, unloyal. Listen, we serve a God that is so gracious, it's crazy. It's actually unbelievable. Sometimes you look and go, what? But he knows best, and so we trust him that judges righteously and does all things well. Let's have the worship team return. This is part of our calling as he is, so are we in this world. How are we doing with our calling tonight? We all got room to grow, every single one of us. We all have areas that need the example of Jesus Christ applied. A personal example, you want to know the truth tonight? Jesus knows each of us. He knows what we faced and what we're facing now. He knows what's pulling at us right now. He knows what will slither our way in the future. He is our personal example. Would you let that sink in tonight? He knows what we're facing. He knows what's going to come our way. He can sympathize with the weakness. He understands. He lived as our great example and still lives as our great example. He had his years here in this world, and the truth is so too. We have ours. What are we going to do with our years? I would say, let's dwell here for now. This is our residence. Let's develop and grow and mature. Let's dig. Let's plant. Let's harvest. Until he calls us home. Let's become more and more like Jesus every day. Let's look to the great example and apply it in all areas of life. Sometimes it's hard to apply the example of Jesus, isn't it? Because it goes against our flesh. We want to react in a different way. The great example of Jesus is always the right way. As he is, so are we in this world. Let's be like Jesus. Our great example, that's our great calling, is to be like him. What greater calling? What greater calling than to be like? Be like the Son of God as he lived in this world. You look at the life of Jesus, you know, I don't know what you think of it. Maybe you think it's quite boring. Or maybe we think it's real exciting. When we read through the scriptures, our ears perk up when the miracles happen, but when there was suffering or when there was trial, are we still paying attention? When he was rejected and when he wasn't popular, are we still paying attention? When he didn't tweak the message or tweak the standard to appease those around him? but instead said, who is my father and my mother and my brother? It's those that do the will of God. Are we still paying attention? Or are we making paper airplanes? He lived quite the life. He lived a selfless life. An obedient life, and he died a selfless, obedient death. And he rose, and he rose victorious. God gave him the name. We know it's above every other name—the name Jesus. He's seated on the throne. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, well now and forevermore. He always was, is, and always will be. Let's pay attention to all the schooling when it comes to Jesus, and even when it's tough, let's apply the lessons let's apply them even when it goes against our flesh let's instead live by the spirit amen let's stand tonight Just going to sing this out real quick in closing if you need prayer of course come But let's just make a resolve tonight, every single person in this place, because we all need to do this time and time and time and time and time again, because I'm sure Adam and Eve, I don't know if they expected that day for this old snake to slither in and dupe them that bad. We need to care for our walk with the Lord. We need to continually turn to God, even those that are close. We need to stay close and get closer yet. There's always a closer walk with Jesus for us. So, Lord, we need you. I'm just going to lift this up, real simple chorus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I would encourage you just in your heart right now and with your lips to confess Him as Lord. Confess Jesus as Lord. And if you need prayer, come to the front. We'd love to pray with you. And we'll close in just a moment here. Thank you, Lord.